Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We are currently in the series, Flaw Faith, a delightful series on how not to be. We hope it's a blessing. Good morning, Valley Point. Great to see you and thank you for being here today. And I don't just say that because I'm supposed to. I'm really thankful that you're here. And there's a lot of other things that you could be doing on a Sunday morning, but you made the choice to be here. And it says a lot about your interest in what God wants to say to you. So thank you for being here. I want to honor you for that. I also want to welcome all those who may be watching online. Thank you for joining us today. Blah Faith. This is week seven of our series, which means that we're more than halfway through our summer. Doesn't it seem like summer just started? What happened to summer, right? Well, there are still a few summer events. Gus talked to you about picnic with the pastor today. I want to talk to you briefly about that as well because that's my chance. That's Tanya's chance just to share a meal with you. We love these days where we get the opportunity just to get to know you a little bit better. So if you're new or new word of Valley Point, we'd love for you to come. It's not too late. You can sign up at the Just For You table. That helps us to prepare for you. If you don't have anything to do and you have no meal plans after this, just stop in, all right? That's okay, too. You're invited as well, and we'll have a great time together. That starts at 1230 at the Bethel Road campus, which is less than a mile from here, right on Bethel Road. The other thing that's happening over the summer, and I want you to save the date for this, You're not going to find this in your program because we didn't know exactly where we would be able to place it, and it's not in your summer booklet, but it is Sunday evening, August the 20th at 6 p.m. We're going to have a prayer and worship night in our new building. Now, it's not done yet, but we want to gather in there as we've done along the construction process and just take some time to respond to the greatness of God, to pray together, to sing. And if you haven't had the chance to look at what's happening over there, this will be a chance for you to step inside and see what's going on with our future real home. So save the date for Sunday, August the 20th. We'll have more details about that in the weeks to come, but we really want you to be there. I also want to welcome back our middle and high school students. They just spent a week at camp. And it's my understanding they had a great time. Beyond that, many of them made some wonderful spiritual decisions just to deepen their friendship with Christ, which is a wonderful thing. So we applaud you and want to continue to pray for you as you come back home and life returns to normal. So welcome back to our students. Okay, there's an 18 over here on the board. Can we thank God for that number? So sorry for those of you over here in the cheap seats, you're not able to see that number. There's a lot of stuff going on over here, but number 18 it is, and you need to know that that number represents the amount of Sundays we have left here in this building before we move to our new campus. That's an exciting number. We're watching that dwindle week after week, and please continue praying with me about that timeline and all of the details that need to take place between now and December the 3rd, that Sunday where we occupy. So 18 Sundays, 
Let's keep rejoicing in that together. All righty, that brings us to today. Back to blah faith. Our statement, our big idea is, if you want to have blah faith, then keep Jesus to yourself. In other words, never share him with anyone that is a part of your world. If you want to have blah faith, keep Jesus to yourself. Now, we have defined blah faith this way. Blah faith is something that is boring or lacking in meaningful content. And so if you want a faith that sounds like that, which hopefully you don't, but if you do, if you want a faith that is boring and lacking in meaningful content, then here's something else you can add to the list of things you should do, and that is keep Jesus to yourself. Now, this is kind of a follow-up to the conversation that we had last week. Last week I said, if you want to have blah faith, never defend what you believe. Never do that. And so I want to pivot off of that statement and off of that big idea from last week and consider how is it that we can move away from the blahs when it comes to our faith and engage in something that is kind of frightening. And that is giving Jesus away. So last week I said, look, if we want to have a dynamic faith, then we have to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. And that's actually the scripture that we unpack. And I gave three steps. I'm sure all of you remember those three steps, right? We're going to review them today. So if we want to defend what we believe, if we want to give an apologetic for that, which is the word found in that piece of scripture, here's what we need to do. It starts actually without giving any words at all. It starts by in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. So before anything is spoken, it's about what's happening on the inside that really matters and is very valuable. And we spoke to the posture of our hearts. In which direction is my heart pointed today? Is it pointed in God's direction? Is he occupying my thoughts and my time? Or is there something else or someone else? In which direction is my heart pointed? Is it pointed to God or somewhere else? Well, if we're going to give a defense of, it begins with the inside and the posture of my heart. So that's the first step we have to take. We then said, when someone asks you about the hope that is within you, that was the text, Always be ready to explain it. And we kind of jumped on that word explain, which is the Greek word apologia, which means to speak in defense of. So there is a sense when we honor Christ as Lord of our life, I think one of the things that will happen naturally is there will be this bright light that comes from us and others may just ask about that hope within us. Like you just respond to things differently. Pain and the dips in life. You just have a different approach to all of that. There is a hope within you. And scripture tells us when someone asks about that hope, always be ready to apologia. Always be ready to explain that. That was step two. Then we added a third step, and I'm sure you remember this because it is vitally important that all faith conversations, anytime we have the opportunity to speak to someone that is sensitive like this, we do that with gentleness and respect. All faith conversations. 
gentleness, and respect. All faith conversations have to be laced with gentleness and respect. We're not here to debate. We're not here to win arguments. We can let God take care of all of that. What we want to do is in our hearts set apart Christ as Lord. This is our responsibility as followers. And when we're asked about the hope within us, always be ready to explain that. But all faith conversations, gentleness and respect. That was last week. We're following that up with, now don't keep Jesus to yourself. Don't do that. In other words, he should come out of us at some point in our conversations and in our actions. He really should. We don't want to keep Jesus to ourselves. The reason we don't want to do that is because he's amazing right? Jesus is absolutely amazing. And so we don't want to keep him all bottled up on the inside, which is kind of our tendency. I just keep him there. That's for me. That's private. And we'll kind of talk about all of that this morning. We don't want to keep Jesus to ourselves because he's amazing. Let me share two thinking points with you that will help guide our conversation and provide a bit of a foundation. If you have your talk notes, I would encourage you to take them out, get a pen And I like when you fill in blanks. I like when you underline and circle words. I think that's important because it helps you to remember something when you walk away from our time together. So take that out and begin filling in some blanks here. Thinking point number one, Jesus offers an incredible gift. Now let's remember, we don't want to keep Jesus to ourselves. We want to be ready to Give him away to those people around us. And so let's just put this into our mind. One of the reasons we want to do that is because Jesus offers an incredible gift. And I think it is a great idea as followers of Jesus to consistently let ourselves be overwhelmed with that. Like we forget about how incredible of a gift it really is. And life goes on and we just act like normal and we forget about what Jesus has done for us, which is so amazing. So John three sixteen, This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, Jesus, will not perish but have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the incredible gift that we have the opportunity to choose that comes from Jesus. Now, I want you to underline some key words here because within John 3, 16, you have encapsulated the gospel, the good news. Four key words. Here we go. Loved. Circle that. Underline that. God loved. He loved so much. Here's the next key word that he gave. Underline the word gave. So that everyone who believes, underline the word believes, that's the third key word, will not perish but have. Underline the word have. All right, so with those key words, here we go. Jesus offers an incredible gift. Here's how it works. God loved. He loved you. He loved me so much that he sprung into action on our behalf and he gave 
something that was really important to him. He gave his one and only son, Jesus. And if we believe, right, this is such a central part of this verse. If we trust, if we put our faith in him, guess what? We will not perish, but we will have, we get something. We get eternal life. That is the incredible gift that Jesus offers to all. Loved, gave, believe, and have. That is the gospel. That's the good news. That's the gift that Jesus offers. And that faith step, when we trust, when we believe in Jesus alone without adding anything to that, that initiates a friendship with Jesus, assuring us that we will spend an eternity with him. Big deal. That's kind of a big deal. And it's great news for everybody. Again, God loved. He loved so much that he gave. And if anyone believes, if they put their faith and trust in the work of Christ on their behalf, then we will have eternal life. It's a big deal. Question, have you believed in Jesus alone to save you? As you consider those four key words, And the incredible gift that Jesus offers, have you believed? Is your faith in the work of Jesus? As a pastor, I get the opportunity to have a lot of faith conversations with people. And I love these conversations. They're often engaging, challenging. They make me think. And they're just wonderful to sit down and and talk faith with individuals. What I have discovered is that people often say something like this when it comes to the issue of faith and belief. They often say, I hope, it is my hope, when I get to the end of my life, that the good things that I have done will outweigh the bad things that I have done. And on the merit of my goodness, and those choices that I will be ushered into God's heaven and be able to enjoy him forever. It is my hope that the good stuff outweighs all of this bad stuff over here. I will posit to you, that's not a great plan. And the reason it's not a great plan is because we don't find that laid out for us anywhere in scripture. In addition to that, how do you ever know if you've done enough good stuff? How do you ever really know that? How can you be sure? That's a troubling thought. And this is why God enacted the incredible gift of Jesus. He knew that we couldn't solve this issue on our own because of our sin, because of our failings. And God loved us so much that he gave. And whoever believes in the work of Jesus... Whoever puts their faith in that and in that alone, because that's where merit comes from, not me, but the work of Christ. Whoever believes and trusts in that alone, guess what? They will have eternal life. Have you trusted in Jesus alone to save you? If not, you should and can make that choice today. And I would encourage you to keep thinking about that as we move through our conversation. 
Okay, that's thinking point number one. Jesus offers an incredible gift. Let's never forget about that, all right? Here's thinking point number two. If you have trusted in Jesus, if that's a choice that you've made at some point in your life, then we have a responsibility as followers to share him. In other words, this is something that should come out of us at some point. Now, I want to take you to this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We have some dynamic words here that say, And he, God, gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's another word to highlight and underline. To be reconciled. That means we've been made right or there is a change in the relationship. If you and I have an issue or a problem and we decide to get together and work that out and we have a a wonderful lunch and you say some things and I say some things and we work it all out together and we walk away from that lunch and we communicate to other people, guess what? We are now reconciled. Well, that's a good thing. That means there has been a change in the relationship. It has been fixed. There has been an adjustment there. When we trust in Jesus alone, we are reconciled to God. We are made right with him. There is a change in the relationship with God, not based on what I've done, but based on my faith and trust in Jesus and his work and what he's done. And so he, God, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. It happened to us. And now here's what we want to do. Verse 20. So we, followers of Jesus, are Christ's ambassadors. Wow. That sounds kind of important, doesn't it? And think about this. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Come back to God. Be made right with him. Be reconciled to him. Really some deep statements here. God is making his appeal through us. Consider that. God wants to use me. God wants to use you to share the greatest message of hope in all of the world. I get in on that and so do you. And that just blows my mind sometimes because I know how I think and how I act and how I sin and fail and fall short. But in spite of that, God still wants to use me. And maybe you feel the same way. God wants to use you to give that appeal out and we speak for Christ when we say, come back to God. Think about this now. Every Christ follower has been reconciled. If you've trusted, you've been made right with God, which means we speak, we plead when we say, come back, be reconciled. Consider the claims of Jesus. This is part of our responsibility to give Jesus to others. Now, Whenever we venture into this kind of topic and conversation, there are always multiple responses. Perhaps intellectually you understand, I know I'm supposed to give Jesus away, but it's hard. I don't know what to say. People are going to laugh at me. It's not appropriate. It's awkward. They're going to ask questions that I can't answer. And so it's just better if I don't do this at all. To which I say to all of those, yes. (laughs) Yes. It is hard and it is awkward and often we don't have the right responses and we don't know how to answer all of the different questions. It's a difficult thing. And yes, people will laugh at us, but here's the deal. We don't get to pick and choose which pieces of scripture we like and which ones we don't like. 
That option isn't there for us. And we're told, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So if, hear this now. All eyes up here for just a moment. If I shy away from this, if I move away from giving Jesus to other people, I will have blah faith. I will. And I won't be living the kind of dynamic life that Jesus wants me to live. So here's what I want to do. If you have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you and save you, and you have that kind of faith and that belief, I want you today to be energized with the call that God has given to us. I want that to excite you and to energize you and for you to keep thinking about ways unique to you and your personality and your story that you can give Jesus to other people and help them see what he can do for them. I want you to be energized by that, all right? Now, if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, you're just not there yet, you're trying to discover and figure out if this is for you, I want to say, welcome to Valley Point. This is a safe place for you to discover and question. Here's what I want for you as we move through our time together. Would you let yourself be amazed at the depths of Christ's love for all people? I want you just to be amazed with that. And we're going to dive into a story in just a little bit that gives illustration that helps us to understand how deep the love of Christ really is for people. All right, so if you've trusted in Jesus, I want you to be energized by the call upon you to be an ambassador, to share the greatest message ever given? Wow! If you haven't trusted in Christ, then just be amazed. Which takes us into story time. I love stories, and we've got a great one today found in Mark chapter 5. So if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find the book of Mark. Probably the best way to find that is to open your Bible or in your device, scroll to the New Testament part of the Bible. There's the Old Testament, which has a lot of books, and then there is a New Testament. Find the New Testament. It begins with the book of Matthew. If you find the book of Matthew, keep turning to the right, and eventually you'll bump into the book of Mark, and then find chapter 5. Here's what's happening in chapter 5. Let me set some context for the story. Jesus has been going around and teaching and helping people and he's drawing crowds. People are amazed because Jesus is incredible. And what we find described in Mark chapter 5 is that there was a man possessed by demons. Not just one, but (laughs) multiple demons. He had a real problem. And he was a wild and scary and out of control type of guy. He was somewhat of a freak show in the town. And people avoided him because he was trouble and just a little out there. Like, don't be next to that guy. Well, Jesus comes into town and Jesus does what only Jesus can do because he has the moral authority to see someone like that and to realize what's happening on the inside. And he touched that man and threw the demons out. What happened is... He became whole and healthy. 
He got dressed again. And what we find in Mark chapter 5 is that people were shocked. Like, wow, look at that guy. He was a little out there, kind of running around, going crazy before, and now he seems to be okay. They were amazed at what Jesus did, and that's where we pick up the story in verse 14. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. <laughs> kind of a funny part of the story is that Jesus took the demons and he placed them into a herd of pigs and they all jumped off of a cliff. <laughs> kind of a goofy part of the story. We don't have time to dive into that, but there's a lot happening here. And so the crowd began pleading with Jesus, go away, leave us alone. We need to be a stranger to you and whatever is happening here, demons, pigs, not something that you see every day. Verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat to leave because they wanted him to go away from them, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now let's pause here for just a moment. Think about this now. We have a demon-possessed man. He's got a lot of issues. Jesus heals him. He's now whole and sane. And Jesus is getting ready to leave the area. They don't want him there anymore. The demon-possessed man, who is now whole and sane, has to be very thankful and grateful for a changed life. He wants to follow Jesus. Now, I want to get in the boat with you. I think that's a great idea. Don't you? Consider, when they get to the next place, when they get to the next town, Jesus can just put this guy on the stage. And this guy can begin to talk and say, you know, I used to run around naked and cut myself and I would scream and yell. I was the freak show in town. And then this guy, Jesus, he's going to come in just a moment. But let me tell you what he did. He found me and he threw out the demons and now I am perfectly fine. And I want you to hear what this man has to say. He has the potential to change your life. So for Jesus, the ball is right on the tee now. I mean, he can just knock it right out of the park and say, hey, come to me because I can change you. Just listen to this story. That's what I think would be a great idea. And I like marketing and being creative. And so this just seems to make a lot of sense, right? If you're into marketing, here's a story. He needs to stand up, share a little bit of that story. And then Jesus can really deliver the truth. Well, here's what happens. Verse 19. Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed at what he told them. In other words, this man whole, healthy, he begins to live out 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He becomes an ambassador for the good news where he lived, probably where he worked, and certainly where he played. Where he lived, worked, and played, an ambassador for Christ, and Jesus wants us to act the same way.
Again, I think this probably makes sense to us. The question becomes how? How do you go about the process of when we're asked about that hope within us, be ready to explain it, do that with gentleness and respect, knowing that we are ambassadors for the greatest message in all of the world. How can we actually do this? Let me take you to our takeaways now. Number one, here's the how. Here's how we respond to this. Number one, pray for it. Pray for it. What you'll discover this morning is I'm not going to give you a lot of language or say this or here's the three things to communicate when someone asks about this hope within you. I think it's different for everyone based on your experiences, based on your life, based on your successes and failures and how you came to Christ. What is your story? We'll dive into that in just a moment. So there's not a lot of common language we can use for this and so you're not going to hear me give a lot of that out. What I think we do need to do, though, is pray for it. Pray for opportunities. So let me ask you this. As you consider being an ambassador for Jesus, are you praying for these opportunities? Where you live, work, and play? Are you asking God to open up doors so you can be this ambassador? One of the things that I started to do is I have a prayer list. Monday through Friday, people that I pray for, things, events, Valley Point, you, all kinds of stuff. I've created another list where I pray for friends that I have and family members that I want to enjoy Jesus the way I enjoy him. And they haven't crossed the line of faith yet. They're just not there. And I know that about them. And that's okay. I'm a friend and I want to do everything I can to help them understand what Christ offers And so I have begun praying for these individuals throughout the week now. And it's surprising how small little opportunities often perk where you have the opportunity to step through that and say, you know what, here's what I'm learning and here's what Jesus has done for me. So again, before we say anything at all, how about if we just pray for some opportunities to be ambassadors? Pray for it. Secondly, Remind yourself about every day and everywhere. And these are words now that I want to roll around in your mind as you think about sharing Christ with the people around you every day and everywhere. Be on mission where you live, where you work and play, where you go to school. Live as a sent one there. This is what Jesus wanted for the man in Mark chapter 5. Again, it makes sense that he traveled with Jesus to provide this dynamic story. But Jesus said, no, I want you to be on mission where you live. So you go back to your family. You go back to your home and the people that are there. And that's what he did. He traveled around the 10 towns that were there proclaiming the things that Jesus did. And people were amazed. And we need to be ready to do the same every day and everywhere. So let's begin thinking this way. Every day. Everywhere, living as a sent one. Can I share some good news with you? Okay, lighten up a little bit, all right? Take a deep breath. Can I share some good news with you? All right. I see this happening here at Valley Point Church. As I look around the room, there are stories of individuals and You often come to me and talk about, hey, I just had a great faith conversation with a family member 
or a friend or someone at work or someone at school. And I love when that happens. I see this happening here. It helps me to know that every day and everywhere, many of you are thinking about living as sent one, sent ones. And it makes me very proud of our faith community. Because it communicates that you are willing to go where you live, work, and play. You're willing to go and be a bright light wherever it is that God takes you. And I believe God has called us to this. So this word go is an important word here at Valley Point. It's part of our vision frame. We say we do three things here. And we pour all of our time and money and creative energy into these three things. We worship, we connect, and we go. That's the word. And again, I am so excited that I see many people going and being a bright light, living out what we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to share with you a little statement from our vision frame because it helps us all to know when we're being successful. So consider this. As I'm following Jesus, I want to know when I'm winning. Like what's the measurable for that? I want to know I'm succeeding and I'm making a difference and I'm being a fully formed follower and disciple of Jesus. I want to know what that looks like. Well, there's probably many ways we can define that. One of the ways we have defined that here at Valley Point, and we want everybody to know this, is you will know you're winning and you're following Jesus in a deep way when go is a passion for you. And so you think about that right now as we read through this. Is go a passion for me? Trying to help other people understand what Christ can do for them. Here's the statement. I will leave a legacy through my time, my talents, and my resources by living as one sent. That kind of encompasses the whole person. Here's the action step. I will selflessly serve inside and outside the church in order to live the gospel Which again, the gospel is the good news. God loved, he gave. If we believe, we can have. So I will selflessly serve inside and outside the church in order to live that good news and surprise and delight others through a passionate, outward-focused faith community. And I see that happening here and it's very exciting. And you need to know that you are making a difference. So keep up the good work. And know that when go is a passion inside of you, even if you don't always accomplish it the way that you would hope, and even if it falls a bit flat, if it is a passion inside of you, then you are winning and succeeding and you're being an ambassador and God will use your life every day and everywhere. Let's keep at that. One more takeaway. Use your story. Use your story. Your story isn't my story. My story isn't yours. I I can't share your story. That's not going to help my friend cross the line of faith because you're not the one who has the relationship with them. And that's the same way with you. Use your story. One of the remarkable things we find in Scripture is that there are a lot of different stories. And this is where I would encourage you to craft a sentence or two of here's what Christ has done for me. And you just give that away And let God do with it what he wants. We see this over and over again throughout scripture. There was a man who was 
born with a disability. And here's what he said. I was blind, but now I see as a result of what Jesus had done for him. That's his story right there. Zacchaeus, he was a wealthy tax collector. Here's his story. I was gripped by greed. I wanted a lot of money. But now I'm gripped by the needs of the poor. The Apostle Paul said, I devoted myself to killing followers of Christ. (laughs) That's pretty dramatic, don't you think? Like that's what I was doing, but Christ came and now I'm a devoted one myself. I met him. I trusted in him. There was a woman who was caught in adultery in Scripture And here's what she said. Here's her story. I walked in shame, but now I walk in grace. That's their story. And each and every one of you have a story, if you've trusted in Christ, of the circumstances surrounding that and what he is doing for you now as you point your heart in his direction. Just put a couple of sentences together and let God work in and through that. Because here's the deal. People can and will explain away Jesus. They will. That's not new information. That's been happening for a long time. Nothing new there. And we don't need to be tipped over by that. People can and will explain away Jesus. What they can't explain away is you. Because you're right there tangibly in front of them. And if you have a relationship, that's going to make a significant difference. So your story. Use your story. I read something this past week that I thought was an appropriate benediction or close to what we have been considering today about not having blah faith, not keeping Jesus to ourselves. And so I just want to close this conversation by reading this to you. You have the word of God before you, the spirit of God in you, and the command of God to you. Make disciples of all nations. In other words, tell people about Jesus. So whether you are a businessman or a businesswoman, a lawyer or a doctor, a consultant or a construction worker, a teacher or a student, an on-the-go professional or an on-the-go stay-at-home person, I implore you to ask God to make your life count where you live for the spread of the gospel and the declaration of his glory to the ends of the earth. When that happens, when that happens, we're winning, we're succeeding, and faith will not be blocked. Father, we're thankful for some time today to look at an incredible story of life change. It's what we find in Mark chapter 5. And we've looked at a few other verses as well, but boy, what a life change that happened with this man, and you uniquely told him to stay. You could have traveled around the world and told a dynamic story of what you did for him, but you said, no, you stay right here, and you talk to your family, and every day, everywhere, be on mission, and people will respond, and and that's what he did. And God, this is what you're calling us to do. God, sometimes you take people to faraway places, but... By and large, we live in the communities that surround us. We work here. Our families are here. We go to school here. We have relationships with a variety of people here. 
And God, I think you want us to live as sent ones here. So God, would you help me to be energized with this call again that I am an ambassador where I live and work and play. That's what I need to be doing. And God, I pray that you would incite that same type of passion in everyone else here, that we would recognize you have given us circles of influence in our homes, in our places of work, in our schools, in these communities. And God, we need to be ambassadors right here. This is where you have planted us. We're not over there. We're right here. So help us to live like that man in Mark chapter 5 and to just become passionate like we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 of taking this message that you have entrusted to us who have believed and giving that away to others. God, I pray that you'd help us to live out our vision map here at Valley Point. Pray for all of us. Go would become a passion. God, would you help us to just be concerned about the people around us who haven't met you yet? May we be more concerned about their eternal destiny than not getting a statement right or having somebody laugh at us or not being able to provide an answer. God, I think you'll take care of all of that at the right time. But give us a passion for those around us who don't know you yet. And may we be instrumental in helping many people cross the line of faith at the right time and in the right context and with gentleness and a ton of respect for who they are and where they are today and what they may believe or not. God, work all of that out, but just use us. Help us to be a part of the process of them seeing what Christ can do for them. God, help us to have a great week of pointing people to real relationships and real significance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.